2: The Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of Prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual Cannabis Policy Reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 27th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestival, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hemp Present is comedian and prostate cancer survivor, Alan Park. Known for his appearances on the Royal Canadian Air Force, Alan Park had developed a pain in his arm, and over time, the pain got worse, eventually spreading to his back and ribs. Park went to a few specialists who performed tests that all came back normal, but one day the pain became unbearable, eventually almost incapacitating him. Park was described hydromorphone for the pain, and it worked, but caused some problems. Then came the diagnosis, stage four prostate cancer. He researched cannabis oil, commonly referred to as RSO, which stands for Rick Simpson Oil, named for the Canadian Rick Simpson, who I've interviewed on this show. And Park started taking micro doses of the magic cannabis oil. Then he received from his doctor what is called a PSA, or a prostate-specific antigen test, on which he scored 700, which by conventional medical standards is essentially a death sentence. His specialist told him his cancer was so advanced they did not even qualified for chemotherapy, radiation therapy, or surgery. He was offered a testosterone suppressant, which was guaranteed to cause the side effect of osteoporosis, a condition in which bones become weak and brittle. But that wasn't gonna save his life. The goal was merely to extend his life until the end of that year. Needless to say, Alan is my guest today because he survived that arbitrary milestone. A Canadian comedian and political satirist best known for his appearances on the Royal Canadian Air Force, Park is known for humorous commentary on current events and caricatures of numerous Canadian politicians, as well as international leaders and various rock stars. Park's work on the Air Force program has resulted in nominations for both comedy writing, as well as Best Male TV Performance at the 2007 Canadian Comedy Awards. After his herring ordeal and near-death experiences, Alan Park is not only alive today, but he's with me right now to bring you his story much better than I can. Welcome, Alan, to Cannabis Radio. Hey there. How are you? I'm all right, man. Um, I am right here, and I'm I'm so glad you, uh, you got a hold of us.
3: Got a hold of me. Thanks.
2: Excellent. Uh, first off, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, I'm so happy to have you alive and be here. Uh, let's just start off Alan with how and when were you first introduced to the herb? Were you a user before you were diagnosed with cancer?
3: I was a recreational user a long time ago, like in high school, I was using it incorrectly at the time. Uh, and I say that to just about every high school kid that, uh, you know, Hey, I thought you were, what, you know, you got to use it when you were in high school. Yeah. Well, I was making a mistake and I was doing it the wrong way, but anyway, uh, so now I, I, um, yeah, I was I was using it as a recreational thing off and on over the years, and uh, and and you know go to a party and would sometimes do it at home and sometimes did it a lot. Sometimes and I quit a few times, uh, but I stopped using it as a recreational thing um, probably in the uh, I don't know uh, two thousand three four something like that.
2: Sounds like that might have almost been a fatal mistake. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, um, yeah, it could have been, but
3: I was, I was, I, I was primarily smoking it, you know, and and I don't think um, at that time, anyway. And I don't think, I don't think smoking it. I mean, that's what I get told all the time. You gotta like, smoke smoking a lot. doesn't cure I, I, cancer. You got to smoke yeah, a lot of it ridiculous. to get the therapeutic approach right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like over the top of cartoon amount, you'd never be able to do it. I don't think it's, it's being used wrongly in that way. Not that you shouldn't smoke or anything. I'm just saying for cancer. Um, yeah, I want to dispel that notion, particularly since a lot of people, uh, can, can then say that about me, you know, Oh, you hear this guy he says he cured his cancer with a smoke
4: a joint. What a load of crap. Uh,
3: that's not what I said. And that's not what I did. And, and that's not, that's not how it works. But, um, cannabis was definitely involved in my resurrection. Absolutely.
2: What is it like to be told by someone, uh, you know, a cancer specialist, uh, that you have months to live? What, what was the rest of your day like after you received that prognosis?
3: <laughs> what was the rest of your day like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I know exactly I know exactly what the rest of my day Did you have to change your like- pants?
2: I mean, I, I'd have to go to the yeah, bathroom yeah. immediately from both ends probably. Well, one of my
3: deals was I was having to go to the bathroom from both ends all the time. Only thing is hardly anything was ever coming out. So uh, I, I hear what you're saying. But at, on that day, when I got that piece of information, I mean, I'd already been through um, uh, most of the year in in some kind of escalation of pain and discomfort and dysfunction. So this was a gradually ticking time bomb that by the time I got diagnosed. Now, you had a couple of things not necessarily in the right order. And it's funny because while I was listening to the intro, I thought, well, that's right, but that's not the right thing. And it's in the wrong place, but ultimately it doesn't matter to anybody, but me, the order and the events of, of the story, but, but to be found out on that day when, when the doctor told me, um, this was five weeks after I was diagnosed initially, because I was diagnosed initially in emergency, uh, of Mount Sinai hospital in Toronto. So I had, um, I had already known about it. I learned that I had this terrible thing from the emergency room doctor. Um, That's a pretty funny story all in itself there, but I I learned it from him. And then he basically says, you know, and they'll, they'll be in touch with you and you'll need to come back in, obviously, you know, get treatment or whatever it is. And um, it was five more weeks going by before I was able to go back and see this specialist doctor. And at that time, so the 700 PSA that you spoke of earlier, the pr- prostate specific antigen, at that time, in November of 2013, that's when I was diagnosed with that number. By the time, um, by the time I got five weeks into me of using the cannabis Rick Simpson oil and taking it in that way, uh, when I went to see this same this specialist now for the first time, five weeks after diagnosis, this is when he told me that, um, all these things were going to come to an end, including my life. But he told me at the time that my PSA on that day, five weeks later, uh, was 374, which is, uh, you know, around half of 700 and in the five weeks. So I'm trying to answer your question. What does it feel like to get this news? God, it sucks. But it was kind of, there, there were all these nuanced flavors on it. As you, as you look back on it, like as I sit here as a healthy man sitting here, I go, wow, this is incredible. Because when he told me five weeks later that my 700 was down to 374, he was in a state of, he, he didn't know what was going on. So I'm the, I'm the patient I've been diagnosed. Now I'm down to see this expert and he just looks like he's, you know, he's shuffling papers and looking around and. Uh, he looks like he's trying to find his keys or something on the card on, on the dust to his car so he can get out of there. And he's what he's concerned about is this piece of information that my PSA five weeks on was around half of this terrible original number from five weeks ago of 700. He He said, like, you know, this there has to be some kind of a problem here. We need to do some checks. We have to go back. I'd like to get this tested again, et cetera, because there's no way this can't be that you would have a 705 weeks ago and now it's, he said it would have to be at least the same or or worse, and it could have even doubled by then. It would have made more sense if it had gone up, because once it gets really high and it starts doubling, it just rolls on out and you're in big trouble. So he, he couldn't believe it was uh, at least at 7.01 or <laughs> 7.50 or something. But to get it to 3.74, it's more impressive than than to say it fell by half. Like, no one... You're you're not just talking about a temperature going down uh, from from daytime to nighttime. This is a huge marker. Uh, There's a, a lot of controversy with it going on right now. But when you're in the dire straits of actually having a serious case of prostate cancer and they tell you your prostate score, it's very valid. You can feel the connection to it. So that's my golden ticket out of trouble right there because I was diagnosed with the 700 on that day in November, and it was so terrible. But as I had started using the oil just a few days in from the diagnosis and working my way towards the five weeks later meeting, I'm feeling better and better. I'm I'm regaining mobility. I'm getting much better sleep. And um, by the time I get to see this guy, that's when he tells me I'm done. I'm done. I'm cooked. There's only five or six months, uh, maybe before you, you, you know, you've got any kind of comfort left. And then a few more months later after that, and then it's going to be over by October, December. And, um, <clears throat> and, and, but he's telling me this when I'm feeling way better than when I was first clocked in with these guys. And so I was just like, okay, well, I don't really feel, and this question you asked me, how did you feel when you got told? I was specifically thinking at the moment, I, I don't feel like I think you're supposed to feel, or you've seen in movies, how you're going to feel when somebody tells you this, I don't feel this bad because I stopped them in his tracks. And I said, so what you're telling me is, and they literally said this to him, what you're telling me is that there's no other way I can get out of this. There's no other thing I can do. Is that right? And he says, again, changed this whole body language and everything. And he's just like, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. And then he started to tell me how there was a chapel down the way in the hospital, and if I wanted to talk Ah. to somebody there to get my spiritual affairs in order or what have you, and that I should start, you know, getting ready to think about those kinds of things. But man, in that moment, when he told me there was no way out, I was already feeling much better after a five week gradual climb to a better place than I was. I was still in horrible shape. You'd never want to be where I was when I got there, but it was, um, it was definitely getting close to like, you could tell you would left base camp, you know, and you were on your way up the mountain. It was, uh, it was quite, it was quite a, a turnaround. So when he told me that thing, I was like, Yeah, I don't even I don't buy that. I literally didn't believe the guy. Now, maybe that's just, you know, people would say, oh, you're just in denial because you don't want to hear that you're going to die. But that's not really the case, because most people, when they get that news, uh, you know, they kind of believe the guy who went to school for all those years and is an expert in his field with a name tag
2: yeah, I've always you know, I've always thought it's irresponsible of a doctor to tell somebody you've only got this much to live without a crystal ball in front of them. Uh, we, we got to go to the break, Alan, but we'll we'll pick this okay, up sure. I'm, I'm I'm talking to Alan Park, comedian and cancer survivor. We're going to hear what we call on Hemp present our first break, which is a pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws here. word from our sponsors to advertisers we don't go anywhere. Got the rest of the show.
1: Time to roll out for the people that let us Hemp present. loose.
2: dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation.
1: Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process.
4: The 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo makes its way back to Phoenix, October 13th and 14th. Check out hundreds of vendors showcasing their businesses and the new advances being made in medical and legal cannabis markets. Plus, catch keynote presentations from former Mexican President Vicente Fox, award-winning writer Bruce Barcott, and the Martha Stewart of marijuana, Cheryl Schumann the 2017 southwest cannabis conference and expo phoenix swccexpo.com phoenix 2017
1: the next generation of vaporizers has arrived Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil concentrate or dry flower pens Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: And we're back on hand present with Alan Park. Alan, stage four is considered terminal, not survivable. Did you talk with your right. doctor about cannabis before you turned to it, and if so, what was what was the reaction?
3: No, I didn't talk to him about it beforehand. Um, I I got the hunch to use it while I was waiting in the emerge room, kind of freaking out in pain, wondering, you know, what can I do? What's going on here? Just you know, in a bit of a circular panic. Um, but, uh, once I realized, well, I'll, you know, medical cannabis is a thing going on. I'll use that. I'll use everything I can grab, you know, it's like you're falling down a hill and, and, uh, you're trying to grab clumps of grass so you don't go right over the edge. You know, it's just trying to grab anything. So I literally was grabbing grass and I thought, yeah, I'll try it. No big deal. I'll try it. And it started to work so well. Uh, I didn't, Here I am using a treatment that seems to be getting some kind of positive result. And I've already been told by an expert that there's nothing that can be done. So there was no real motivation to
2: tell them anything. Got it. At one point, you stopped taking cannabis oil and your PSA numbers went back up. And then you went back to the oil and you increased your dose. How much were you taking uh, once you increased it? And were you making it on your own?
3: Okay. So initially I was making it on my own. Yeah. Initially I, I came to all that information on YouTube, just, you know, finding out how to do it and researching it, you know, cold and dirty Google and YouTube. Um, but, um, I'm sorry, I lost the thread of that. What did I make my own? Yeah, I made my
2: own. And and how much, how much was your dose?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, um, there's a Rick Simpson dosage chart that I highly recommend. You can get an image search of that on Google. Um, it, it tells you how to get up to the full dosage as quickly as possible and as responsibly as possible. I recommend that. But at the time, I didn't have that. This was the end of 2013. And there was some I just followed his uh, video. Uh, Run from the Cure is the name of the movie within his website, phoenixtears.ca, Phoenix tears.ca and i just followed it um and and i had to quarter the recipe because he does a whole pound in there with some pretty big equipment and i just had a small kitchen so um you know i quartered the recipe down we're were using
2: naphtha or something else
3: no i used um 99.9 alcohol which i was able to get really inexpensively at a local big box store
2: you eventually saw a naturopathic doctor, which which would be my choice. What was your diet and lifestyle before you were diagnosed with cancer, and did you change anything after that other than introducing cannabis oil?
3: Um, it was already stellar, uh, relatively speaking. I was a vegan-slash-vegetarian at the time and had been for over twenty about 20 years. <clears throat> and so I was also kind of angry about getting... Um, Unwell in such a dire Were you way eating, because we eating was, organic. Yeah, well, you know, not a hundred percent. I don't think yeah, anybody well, can make can, that right. claim. But right. I I tried to do that as much as possible. I put more into my grocery bills than than most people I knew compared yeah. to other expenses and and that kind of thing. And and so there it was, paying attention. And I was a pretty healthy guy. And in fact, um, at the at the onset of the disease, in the first place, I was I was uh, in quite good shape. Um, having gone to the gym almost every day, uh, three or four times a week for a couple of years, I had decided to, to do that, uh, cause I'm in the entertainment business. And I thought, okay, let me get, let me get into better shape here, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I was in really good shape at the time I was initially taken down by the cancer. So that's another reason I didn't know I was being taken down by cancer. I was in basically some really good shape.
2: Huh? Fascinating. A, a lot of people think of THC for treating cancer. How important is the entourage yeah. effect, which has complementary amounts of THC and DBD? How important is cannabidiol when applying to a cancer? Oh treatment? it's
3: all yeah, it's it's all important. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you have a geodesic dome in front of you, you know what that is, right, listeners? Yeah. a yeah, I'm Geodesic hippie. dome, everybody? Yeah, yeah. So if you have a geodesic dome in front of you, and it's a pretty sound structure, right? You can drape a tarp over that and you know, that's a pretty powerful round, geometrically sound structure. Right?
2: Invented by my man, so,
3: Buck Fuller. That's it. So now yeah. what I want you to do is go in and take out about 15, 16 of the crossbars on that structure. <laughs> and tell me how strong it is compared <laughs> to before. Great analogy. It, it's still going to look pretty good, right? Like you'll drive by it and it'll seem like it's doing a thing. But basically there's a, the, the thing I don't like about um, the whole notion of the, Let's take THC out of it. Let's take THC. Why? That's all coming from a place of ignorance and self-imposed, ridiculously centered morals on going, okay, look, I know it's terrible to get high, so so I'll try to cure myself of cancer. I'll try to save my own life here because it's the only thing I got left, but I don't want to get high. Oh, God, no. Nobody asks questions like that when they do chemo. No one says, "Hey, is this going to make me throw up?" I'm not going to do it if it's going to make me throw up. Well, they don't Nobody say that when they when they, that. when
2: they when they give you oxycontin, man. You're going to get high.
3: No, right? no, they don't say any of that, right? So, so here's the thing. This whole it's a pure, a falsely laid down puritanical from the mindset of the Plymouth Rock, um, you know, pilgrims that came over, and we have the same folks in Canada. They're super uptight uh, kind of people, and they miss. Uh, understand that this thing is a bad substance. So they go, okay, well, if it's going to help me uh, in a lot of ways, then I'll just take the help in a lot of ways, but I won't take the THC. But the THC, the best thing about it is with the CBD, apparently with the roots, with the leaves, with the nugs, with everything, the whole plant, you take the whole plant. You don't start then thinking you're some kind of genius or scientist and decide that between you and God and the animals, I'm going to take out all these THC strains over here. Because it's not just an entourage effect with the THC needs the cannabidiols and the tetrahydrocannab, and it's like a Delta 9, Delta 8, all these different things, these components of the geodesic structure. You start taking them out. You don't know what you're doing. You're just going to make a mess. And... These folks in Colorado that did that Charlotte's Web, my hat is off to them. I think it's great how well it's working. And I know there are these special considerations of, of cases. But most of most of the people should just be able to take in a whole plant and just get it going.
0: Yeah, a lot I of mean, people you, are it, it's of the people juicing, effect.
2: right? A lot of people juicing are juicing.
3: Okay, you want to juice it. You want to eat it. It's a nutrient. It's a vitamin. It's an amino acid. It's a protein. It's a food. And I contend, and I'll leave it here if you want to ask me something else, but for the record, this is my little soapbox, and if you vote for me, I say this. The perception of this THC being a bad thing, that entourage effect, there's an entourage effect there, that's true. That means when when all these other factors kind of come along for the ride. But the other entourage effect is this. Cannabis in my life and turning it around and, and saving what you know was being flushed down the toilet very quickly, while, it, while I was able to turn that around, and that's great, it wasn't just because I thought I could cure cancer by smoking joints. That sounds so stupid. If you say it out loud a couple of times, you'll probably agree with me. What I did was specifically, I revitalized the actual constituency of my body, the physical thing itself, by honing it with this oil, Uh, that cleans the blood into a place where the disease cannot take hold. You don't need to kill cancer or cure cancer. It's very contentious to get into these arguments anyway, but there's no argument against putting your body into such a position that it no longer uh, can host this disease. So you, that's the entourage effect. It's like, I figured a lot of this stuff out, not just because I was standing on the corner, smoking a joint thinking I could get going, uh, I, it happened because um, I, I researched certain things. I thought about a lot of things. I asked people who were experts, and I went out of the box. I was basically at the end of my life, and I was using this you know, one piece of, uh, of thread left to, to figure out, and I was working it like crazy. And the cannabis high aspect it was, was actually fueling a lot of those imaginings and a lot of those awarenesses that might sound silly to people, but here I sit today, just about ready to celebrate my third funeral anniversary.
2: Well, I'm glad that you're, you're with us, and, uh, and i got to go to my next break here, Alan. Uh, I'm talking to okay. Alan Park, television uh, personality. Can't hold that thought, and we'll come right back after this break. Time to roll out
1: for the people that let us present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: And we're back for our final questions for comedian and cancer survivor, Alan Park. Alan, uh, you've got your own podcast. God forbid that we should promote a different podcast (laughs) uh, called called Green Crush. How can folks check that out, man?
3: Green Crush, go on uh, the internet, preferably. It's going to save you a lot of time if you do that. And then dial in at that. Green Crush. You probably already know how okay. to do that. Okay. So that's <laughs> that'll save you the time. So you're already there. Okay. So it's uh, at Green Crush Pod, at Green Crush Pod. And if you go there, it's all there. Or you can go to YouTube. Uh, it would be, um. you're in Seattle, so it would be 11 a.m. on uh, 1103. And we're always a little bit late in Seattle. And, and so I, I do that uh, every Tuesday at Green Crush pod, uh, sorry, at Green Crush pod is it, or just put Green Crush into YouTube. Uh, it's it's amazing how so many people's lives have been uh, damaged and, and really messed up with this terrible thing. But then I'm also noticing that a lot of people are, are improving their lives from it. I got a show out of this. You got a show out of this. Imagine, imagine giving, <laughs> giving life. From something that was about to take yours, huh? That's amazing. I love that. So congratulations. You're you're gonna die now. You got a show. That's pretty cool.
2: Well, you know, uh, I'll tell you, man, th- th- this is the cause that we've been working for for a long time uh, here in Seattle for yeah. 27, 26 <clears throat> years. I'm actually a fan, yeah. Alan. Uh, congratulations on your amazing oh, journey thanks. back to health, man. So impressive. Thank you. A- and now you're you're out there, you know, spreading the information, spreading the awareness. You're saving lives, man. So uh, I want to thank you so much for being on Hemp Present. The best of luck to you, my brother. Okay.
3: All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, give me back some time. We'll talk about some other stuff. I want to hear how you're doing a lot better also. Keep going. Sounds like a plan.
2: Now I want to get to a weekly feature of him on cannabisradio.com. That's the quote of the week. And it is this. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And that's Franklin D. Roosevelt, former president of the United States. That concludes this installment of Present on Cannabis Radio. I'm going to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hemposapien on our journey to justice because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and talk it easy, and don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The hand theme song, Take Back the Plant, is performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, my stroke, because I'm out.
0: Marijuana! TAC. <stime> Sweet sativa.
4: The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com